on Mama Murdered a Podcast, we're doing something a little bit different. See, today is my birthday, but it's also Valentine's Day and also my anniversary. So my husband and I try to take a trip at least once a year for our anniversary somewhere different. And this year we ended up having to kind of plan everything last minute. So I didn't have as much time to research as what I would like to. So this week, I'm just going to give you some of the creepiest, funniest, most bizarre first date stories that I could find on the internet. You know, just as a friendly reminder to stay safe out here in this dating world. I'm also sick. I can feel my throat already. It's been sore since last night. I went to bed at like 6 p.m. So this is probably going to be short and that's okay. So, happy birthday to me, happy anniversary to us, and happy Valentine's Day to you. Be safe out here on these first dates. And next week, we're going to dive into the case of Zach Bowen and Addie Hall. And if you haven't heard about that case, then next week is going to be a doozy for sure. So with all that out of the way and without further ado, let's get it. I used a few different sources and websites and online forums to find all of these dating horror stories. So as always, they'll be linked below in the source credits under the description of this episode. This first story comes from Reddit, but more specifically from the subreddit titled Ask Women from Reddit user Electric Crow. And it says, so I've been out of the dating game for roughly a year, and being the awkward mess that I am, my best friend had convinced me to try OkCupid. I figured, eh, I can get to know people online and then try a date. Terrible idea. I'm still mad at her. So I met this guy on the site, and we spent a few weeks chatting and getting to know each other, and he seemed really cool. He asked me on a date, and I said, sure. Here's the part where I'm a moron, and I'm surprised I didn't get murdered. I say that I prefer low-key dates, so he suggests that he cook us dinner, and we watch an indie horror film at his place. I agree. In parentheses, it says, I am so stupid. I show up at his place and have developed a code word system through text with my bestie, and she has all of the details of where I am. He meets me outside, and I realize I tower over him. And at 5'7", that rarely happens to me, but I shrug it off because you can't help your height, right? We go up to his flat, and he shows me around, emphasizing on the bedroom. Then takes me to the kitchen to show me the four bottles of very expensive wine that he bought for me, but with no dinner prepared. He pours me a glass, and I awkwardly pet his dog. We sit on the couch and he puts this weird Italian art film on with no subtitles in all Italian. Neither of us know what's happening. So I just sit there 
feet flat on the ground, spine rod straight, sipping my wine, when he decides to basically curl up in my lap. And he starts nuzzling my face like that thing that cats do, but with his face on my face for at least 10 minutes straight. His dog looks at me with pity, and at this point, I excuse myself to the bathroom and text my bestie to call me and get me out of there. After taking her call 20 minutes later, I politely try to thank him for the glass of wine and make my way off the couch, and he lays across me and forces me to cuddle. He would not let me leave, so I just stood up, and he plummets to the floor, because like I said, I'm an Amazonian compared to him. He pops up off the floor and helps me put my coat on and gives me one good sniff right at the nape of my neck. Pretty sure some of my hair is still infused in his brain from how deep an inhale that was. I made no attempt to hide my running down three flights of steps to get back into my car and deleted my account that night because never again. (laughs) So this sounds like this guy just really wanted to be a cat and he just really wanted her to be his owner so that she could snuggle him all day. And sir, there are online groups for any kind of kink that you can dream up. This is why I'm so glad I'm not in the dating world as of today and the way the world is now, because absolutely not. I get awkward when the local crackhead tries to flirt with me nowadays. I just don't have it in me, I guess, anymore. I can walk around in sweats and still get told I'm pretty at home, so I'm gonna stay my ass at home. But this next Dayton story comes from the website Independent, and it'll be linked below as story number two in the description box of this episode. And this website says that this story also came from Reddit, but from Reddit user RedditorKid320, and this one is hilarious. It says, I decided to meet up for coffee with a girl that I had been talking to online. We talked for 45 minutes or so, normal first date topics like family, travel, etc., And then she asked, where did you do your undergrad? Now, I have a pretty good job, but that question sets the bar pretty high for a guy who didn't go to college. She's not only assuming that I went to college, but is also assuming that I'm taking part in some kind of postgraduate school. When I said that I went to technical school and then straight into the workforce, she looked at me as if she'd never heard such a thing. Apparently, I didn't pass all of her minimum requirements to be considered human. After a brief pause, she broke her shocked stare, placed her hand on her forehead in a fashion that covered her eyes, inhaled briefly, and followed it by a valley girl. Ew. (laughs) She, She took her Blackberry out of her purse and whispered to herself as she typed, He didn't even go to college. I then saw the thumb hold down the shift key as she deliberately pressed the exclamation point once, twice, and then three times. In reality, each one of those keystrokes was a simple tapping of a small key of plastic. But, in my head, it sounded like a metal bank vault door was repeatedly slamming shut. She pressed a few more buttons on her phone, presumably sending this text message to her total BFF, and she put the phone away. She looked at me and, after taking a deep breath, said, Well, that's okay. Not everybody is capable of going to college. She put on a fake smile, followed by an awkward laugh, and just stared at me awkwardly. I couldn't believe that she'd just reacted so rudely to something, and then tried to act as if it didn't happen. Perhaps she still believed that. 
Like a child playing hide-and-seek, if you cover your eyes, you would disappear. After staring at each other awkwardly for a few seconds, I finally broke the silence by saying, Wow, okay, so, yeah, I, um, guess it's about time to get out of here? I stood up and took my trash to the trash can and she followed me out of the door. I turned and began walking down the street and she followed closely and said, How far away is your car? This girl was expecting a ride. So I stopped and turned around and said, Oh, I'm about a block this way. Where did you park? She replied, Oh, I took the bus here. I don't have a driver's license. Now, I'm normally not a rude person. Even in that situation, I was going to just walk away and let it be that. But I just couldn't pass this opportunity up. I looked her right in the eyes and said, Ew. Pulled out my cell phone and typed, She doesn't even have a license. With one, two, and three exclamation points. I then put my phone away, (laughs) looked up at her, smiled, and said, That's okay. Not everybody's capable of driving a car. Lucky for you, the bus stop is right over there. I hope you don't have to wait too long. I wish I had took a picture of the look on her face as I walked away, because it was priceless. (laughs) And if that wasn't the perfect way to handle that situation, because I can think of about 300 different ways that I could have been so much more rude. So good on you for handling that gracefully. This third story comes from the Georgian Media Group, which is a website online. And again, this website will be linked under the description box of this episode. So this next story is from an anonymous writer, and it says, I used to be an avid user of Tinder until I got held hostage by a date. The perpetrator, who will use the alias C, was cute, and we hit it off quite well after matching. Later that night, we decided to hang out. He mentioned that he had a mountain home and that we'd have a bonfire. I snuck out of my window. I was in high school at the time, and I snuck out to meet this lovely guy. As soon as I got into his car, I knew something was off. He had a very empty, apathetic look in his eyes. His voice was very monotone-esque, and his words were slurred. In the car, we had light conversation in which he casually pointed to the extra-large cup of beer that he'd been sipping on during the drive, and he mentioned that he'd taken some codeine. He was swerving and laughing about not being able to see the road, and that's when I texted my friend Amber to help. The plan had been that when I arrived at C's house, Amber would send an Uber or Lyft my way and I could escape. To my dismay, C drove deeper and deeper into the mountains, slowly climbing in altitude, until I couldn't see any lights for miles. It was dark, wooded, and quiet. I had never been in such a remote location, and my phone had one bar. We pulled up to some dilapidated and dimly lit cabin. There was a pile of sloppily cut firewood, a chainsaw, and multiple packages of beer, even though I told him that I wouldn't be drinking. What was inside shook me and was when I knew this guy was a psycho. In a crate was a litter of recently born puppies and they were emaciated. There were maggots crawling through their skin and fur and they had been lying on a pile of their own waste. Tears filled my eyes. These puppies need to be fed, I said. He shrugged. Nah, they're fine. He asked if I wanted to play with them, and I said yes, just to give the poor creatures the time and chance to run around. Despite their condition, they were very energetic, loving, and cuddly. C proceeded to kick one very hard in its ribs, sending it flying across the porch. Annoying little shit, he said. I immediately used the send my location function on my iPhone so that Amber could get me and these poor babies out of here. 
As I waited, C kept trying to get me to drink and smoke marijuana with him, and I repeatedly said no. He was quiet for a few minutes and then towered over me and said in a really threatening voice, Don't make me mad. Smoke with me. I anxiously checked my phone to find a disheartening text from Amber. They won't send a car there. It's too far out. All I could think was, I'm going to die here. I told C that I was cold and asked if he could make a fire. As he left, I searched around for a knife or any sort of weapon that I could use to defend myself. It was obvious that nobody had inhabited this quote-unquote mountain home for a while. There were cobwebs and dust everywhere and no knives. I wondered if he'd killed the people who owned it. C came back and told me that the firewood wouldn't light and he brought a case of beer instead. I told him that I wouldn't drink. After asking me and getting denied multiple times, he went out and brought the chainsaw towards the house. He turned it on and just stared at me. Chills went up my spine. I texted Amber. He has a chainsaw. Please. I didn't want to call the cops because there were drugs and I didn't want to get into legal trouble. But I needed to get out. So I smiled. Hey, see, I will take a beer, I said shakily. He smiled back creepily and said, I'll go get one. He'd already drank the several that he'd tried to offer me, and the rest were in his car. I guess he didn't know that I was watching him because I watched this guy open a beer can and then sprinkle something inside of it and bring it back over to me. I stared at it, but kept my acting up. Can we go to town and get some food? He glanced back towards his car reluctantly, then back at me. Drink two beers first, please. There was a lot of back and forth with him shoving beers towards me, shoving me, and making tentative glances at the chainsaw. I knew what he wanted, so I offered him sex if he took me to get food. He sighed and we got into the car. The drive into town was terrifying. He was drunk, high on several drugs, he'd taken more pills in the house, and laughing maniacally most of the time. As soon as we got to the drive-thru, I hurriedly told him that I had to leave and basically jumped out of the car running inside. I was later rescued by a friend and his father, who was kind enough to drop me off at my house without selling me out to my mother. The next day, I filed an anonymous police report, not for me, but for the puppies. Could you imagine being in high school and sneaking out of your parents' house to meet this cute guy and then this is what happens? It's like she didn't want to get in trouble with the cops, but she also didn't want to get in trouble with her parents, but she was also putting herself in danger by calling the cops. I don't know, as a teenager, this had to have been absolutely terrifying to experience. Now, this next story is one that I found on a Reddit thread asking people to post about when they were the horror date, and I stumbled across this gem of a story. This comes from Reddit under the subreddit Ask Reddit and was posted by Reddit user Naster Chief, and it says, I went to a house party at New Year's with a cute girl I'd just met, and right after the ball dropped, we started making out pretty hard. After about 15 minutes, I started to feel fairly sour, so we decided to head back to her place. Turns out, I had come down with the full-blown stomach flu, which ended up being intensified by heavy drinking and the earlier festivities. I had to try to convince this girl that I didn't know that this wasn't from the booze and that this was something bad happening to me. I was so sick the next day that I couldn't leave her place as venturing further than 20 feet from the toilet was not going to happen. My fever was so high that I was hallucinating and got lost on my way to the toilet in a straight hallway 
then proceeded to faint in her arms when she found me confused staring at the wall. I shit and puked in her house for a full 24 hours before I could muster up the energy and courage to take the 15-minute voyage home to my sanctuary of safety and acceptance. Oh, and she lived at her mom's house. So that's the story of how I first met my mother-in-law. She's a very understanding woman. (laughs) And I think I just laughed way too hard when I first read this story on Reddit because I honestly couldn't imagine this being the first time that you meet one of your in-laws. But hey, at least he got the girl, even after he violently (laughs) assaulted her bathroom and toilet for a good 24 hours. But let's keep it going because this next story comes from the same Reddit thread about how you were the whore date, and this next story sucked me in almost immediately. First off, the writer did an amazing job describing everything and the retelling of this story and the events. I just knew I had to read it here. So this one comes from the same subreddit as the last story, and it comes from Reddit user A Wallpaper Girl, which I also love that username. But this story says, Oh man, okay, buckle in for one of the most confusing moments of my life. It's been about 13 years, and a lot of it happened drunk, so hopefully my storytelling doesn't go awry. The prologue is pasted from the last time I described this night singing in a bar, and I noticed a regular watching me in the crowd. He was not an outwardly friendly guy, rather curt and sometimes rude, so I avoided him. But this one night, I realized that there was a pull between us. When I got off stage, he walked up to me and said something about how sexy I looked and how he'd been trying to avoid me for so long, but he couldn't take it anymore. We closed out the bar that night, and an intense connection brewed between us in that back booth. There was induendo, but moreover, there was a passionate pull between us as we talked about life, mistakes, worries. I was too drunk as we left in the taxi and he took me home in it instead, refusing to take advantage of me. We kissed for the first and only time in the back of that cab, the passionate kind where it feels like all the colors of the world click into place. He left me on my doorstep with a kiss on the forehead, thanking me for the conversation of his life. And on to our story. A few weeks pass and I haven't seen him, which is unusual because we both went to karaoke twice a week for the near year leading up to that. I come home feeling particularly jilted and dramatic one night and pulled up misconnections on Craigslist to see if anyone mentioned me, as I did this from time to time. No avail. By then, I was fully sauced, swept up in the comments about yearnings, and I got it in my head that I should pour out my feelings about that night onto a Miss Connections post. I wrote prose about it. I described his hands and how safe I felt with him, how kind he was to not only respect my boundaries, but be content with them, how electric I feel trapped under his eyes in the spotlight, how the conversation made me feel at once like a woman and like a child meeting her best friend. Your girl went all out, down to listing his first name, drinking herself to sleep after pressing send. Soon after, in my inbox, there was a reply. It was him. He wrote about the bar, our friends there, described himself physically. It was undeniably him. He wrote that he also felt the connection. He asked me to continue the conversation. He asked about my family, my childhood, my dreams. And we continued correspondence for a week or two. It was only just decent, if I'm honest. It lacked the spark. Sometimes it was uncomfortable. Even once in a while, he'd turn the conversation like weirdly sexual out of nowhere, and each time I'd say something like, 
I'm not interested in talking about that. We're talking about my mother right now. Once he sent me what looked like a nude from the thumbnail of an email attachment with a bunch of smiley face emojis. I replied that I wasn't interested in seeing someone's body outside of the bedroom, and we weren't at that place yet. I was uncomfortable, but second-guessing myself, constantly reminding myself of that night. Maybe I was reading it wrong. He was indeed at least 10, even maybe 20 years older than me. Maybe this is how men talked. I'd show up at the bar, wait for him, leave sadly, then rush home for my next email. One night I go to the bar and there he is. I run to him. It's a movie moment. When he turned and saw me, his face turned to instant rage. It all happened so fast, but he picked me up and threw me away from him. I hit people and the wall. He was screaming to get away from him and he was calling me crazy. My ears felt like they were ringing. I was so confused and panicked. I think I had a panic attack and my next memories are being in the bathroom crying hysterically, calling my best friend, afraid to leave the bathroom so confused and hurt and feeling betrayed and absolutely terrified. All while a drunker than hell woman is wiping my face, slurring repeatedly, don't cry, you're beautiful, lol. When I finally left the bathroom, he came at me again. I guess he didn't know I was still there. It was a blur. I remember he called me crazy again and I threw a drink in his face and then the bouncer was pulling him out of the bar. But the next thing that stuck with me was how terrified he looked. The next two times I went to that bar after a week of hiding out, all of my friends there turned a cold shoulder to me. People left tables that I was sitting at. No one was buying me a drink when I got off the stage the way we always did for each other. Eventually, one of them matter-of-factly told me that they heard what I was doing to his family and that I needed to get help. Record scratch. Wait, what? I kept saying that he and I were talking from a Craigslist post I made, and she kept saying that he didn't use the internet and that I was unhinged. It took almost an hour to get this woman to say more than a sentence to me, and to this day, I don't think she believed me. But what it came down to was everyone heard I had tracked down his ex-wife and their children and threatened them for weeks unspeakable things that I'd do to her children if she got in my way, and about how the only babies he should have would be with me. He didn't believe her at first, but his ex had photos of me to prove that it was me. She knew all about my life. She knew what songs I sang. She knew all about that night we spent together. She'd been the one I was speaking to on Craigslist. I tried to explain this to the woman at the bar, but she looked at me with so much pity and disgust and just walked away. I'm angry right now even typing this. I don't remember leaving the bar, but I never went back. I went home and sent one final email basically saying that she was a monster. She had tried to be sexual with me to trap me into a situation, and I just kept talking about my life and family because I was a nice girl. I wasn't a threat. I didn't do anything wrong, and she preyed on me out of her own jealousy. She was sick. She was a monster. I was incoherent. I was so gutted by her cruelty. I was gutted by being made out to be a monster and having people believe it. I was so gutted that he and I would never get to have another night like that one. A year or so later, he came into my work and I had to make him a sandwich. He acted really uncomfortable but tried to be polite. My ego made me blurt out something as unsmooth and direct as, Just so you know, I never did any of that. 
your ex found my misconnections post on Craigslist and she was talking to me, mining me for information. So you attacked me out of nowhere to me. I know you were scared of me, but I never threatened your children. I liked you a lot. She is not a good person. He took the sandwich and left. I had no idea what to make of his expressions, but to me, it looked like he thought I was legit crazy. So that was the time that I was creepy to the point of terrifying. And what I'd like to know is, who has time for this? Who has enough time to scour the internet looking for a Lost Connections post about their ex-husband just to make the woman that he spent one night with seem crazy? I just don't know how these people just walk around among us all day as if they're normal. But they do, and that always amazes me. And I think that's going to have to be the last story because my voice is about to go out for good. So, next week we will start Zach Bowen and Addie Hall. If you don't know that case, don't look into it because it will blow your ever-loving mind once I get done with my research. So, I'm going to pull up a review of the week and then I'm going to go take a nap. This review comes from Apple. It comes from Lisa Sterling. It's five stars. It says, found AB on TikTok and quickly started listening to her podcast and started following on Facebook. I even have my adult kids listening. We absolutely love her podcast and could listen to it all day, every day, which we've actually done to get caught up. I feel like, I don't know if I've read that before, but I just have the biggest brain fog. I just don't feel good, (laughs) y'all. So, let's do it again. Y'all hope I get better before my trip this weekend. And let's do it again. Same time, same place, next Wednesday. See you then. That's how my mama murdered a podcast.